As we celebrate the founding of our nation this week, I thought we'd spend a few minutes discussing the first words of the Texas Constitution, which are, humbly invoking the blessings of Almighty God, the people of the state of Texas do ordain and establish this Constitution. So that's exactly what we're going to do on this week's episode 137 of the Liberty Cafe. Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Hi, this is Bill Peacock, and welcome to the Liberty Cafe. As I say every week, and and I truly mean it, it's a blessing to be with you here and to talk about these issues involving God and this world and how we apply His Word to this world. And it's also a blessing to be part of the Texas Scorecard Network and have them being the sponsor of the Liberty Cafe. This week, I'd like to talk about something even more of a blessing than that, though. It's a blessing, the blessing of knowing God and His blessings upon us as we walk in obedience to Him through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's let's get down to business. Because one of, one of the sad things about our country And I think one of the things that has led to its downfall in recent years is how we fail to do this as a nation, to walk in obedience to our Lord God through our Lord and Savior, the obedience of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And and, and I think one of the ways we can see that, there's a lot of ways we can see that, but one of the ways we can see that is in the almost non-existent status accorded to the Declaration of Independence in in American constitutional jurisprudence, particularly the Declaration's acknowledgement of God as our creator and as the source of our laws and of our liberty. So, for instance, when we go to the Declaration of Independence, whose anniversary we celebrated this week, we see that it proclaimed that the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle us to a separate and equal station by which we can dissolve the political bands which we have connected them with another. A clear acknowledgement of God there. Additionally, we see in the Declaration a reminder that we are created by God, and we are created by God equal, and created by God with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Of course, we can blame modern liberalism for, for much of the failure to acknowledge these things about God that we find in our Declaration of Independence, but don't find in modern law very much. But, but we must also not ignore the shortcomings of the America's Constitution as drafted by our founders and adopted by the original 13 states. Because unlike many of the governing documents that came before it in the American colonies, the, the Constitution, our Constitution, essentially drops all references to God, except for a reference to Jesus Christ when the Constitution uh, is dated in the year of our Lord, 1787. So we can compare this single, almost oblique reference to Jesus Christ in the Constitution to some of the references I pointed to 
in the Declaration of Independence before it, but we can also look at other founding documents, and I'll just pick one here, the Mayflower Compact. Listen to, this is a, a shortened version of it, but listen to what the Mayflower Compact said about God. In the name of God, amen. We, in the presence of God and one another, covenant and combine ourselves together in a civil body politic for our better ordering and preservation and important, for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith and the honor of our king and country. It, it's, it's hard to miss the fact that the Mayflower Compact starts in the name of God, whereas the U.S. Constitution starts by saying, we the people. It's, it's just one of the flaws that was going on in our country when the Enlightenment was coming into and affecting our politics and our lives and our religion and everything else. But let me, let me be clear on this. this. This failure in the Constitution does not mean, as many liberals and atheists would claim today, that the U.S. was not founded on Christianity and God's Word in the Bible. It clearly was. The, the, the Christian worldview, the biblical worldview, the Word of God dominated our American society in those days, even if a lot of Americans, some Americans, were not Christians themselves. They all had this Christian, most of them had this Christian worldview. But even with this foundation, our, our country certainly would have been better off if the Constitution had been as bold in proclaiming Christ as Lord, God as our sovereign, as some of our other founding documents did. So that is why I was really astounded while doing some research for a project I'm working on uh, to find out that the Texas Constitution begins with these words in its preamble. Humbly invoking the blessings of Almighty God, the people of the state of Texas do ordain and establish this Constitution. There is really no hemming and hawing here. The Texas Constitution is, clearly states is established for the purpose of invoking God's blessings upon our state and its people. So then after absorbing the surprise of this, the question that came to my mind was, well, what does this mean for our state? And that's what I'd really like to, to finish up here talking about on, on the Liberty Cafe this week. So the first thing I think we ought to note is really the obvious fact that even though our state constitution begins with this statement, that doesn't mean that all the people in the state desire God's blessings or that all the policies of the state are designed to seek God and his blessings. Words do have meanings, but they are not magic. Nonetheless, I would suggest and I think this is important for us to, to think about, that this provision in the, in the Texas Constitution, its preamble, is more than mere words. Uh, and in fact, I believe that this language declares the state of Texas to be in covenant with God. Now, let, let me explain what I mean by that. Some of you may be familiar with the basic ideas of the biblical covenant. Others are, are likely not. And we could talk about this for a long time, what it means to be in covenant with God and just the concept of the covenant in generally. But let me just hit a few key points. 
So the concept of a covenant goes all the way back to the creation of heavens and earth, all the way back to the first chapter of the book of Genesis. Because in creation, as recorded in the book of Genesis, God made a covenant with Adam and his offspring, what is called the dominion covenant, under which we had an obligation to God to be fruitful and to multiply and fill the world with his people. And God's part of that would be that he would come and dwell with us at, as we completed this. You may recall that, that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, but it was just a little garden. It might have been a big garden compared to our standards, but it was still a garden. And the whole rest of the world needed to be prepared for God to dwell with man. So man's part was to go prepare the earth and then God's part would be to come and dwell with us. That's the basic form of the covenant there. It also, of course, acknowledged the covenant acknowledged God as, as, as God, as sovereign, as one with all authority, and man as the creature who has a delegated authority and obligations under that. So that, that's kind of the basic form of what a, the covenant was. There, there's more to it. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along here. Of course, it's important to note that Adam and then Eve, and now we have really failed miserably in this task because of our sinfulness and rebellion against him. Yet, we're still obligated under this con covenant with God. And I would suggest that he also, God also, is still obligated under this as well given the fact that he is sovereign and it's his covenant in the first place. And we'll we'll see how that plays out in just a minute. Then later, a form of this covenant was widely used in the ancient Near East in, in back in biblical times. And this is well documented, not in the Bible, some of this is, but but just in the literature found and the records found about the the, the near Middle East during that time. And this, these covenants were almost always between a greater king to a lesser king, kind of like with God and Adam, where the greater king is acknowledged as a sovereign Lord who is to be obeyed. Then when we take this and apply this to the people of God, particularly, and, and we do that from Adam to Noah to Abraham to David and now more recently to Christians past and present, God unveiled, unveiled different forms of his covenant until we re reach the covenant that we are living under today, the new covenant under Jesus Christ. In each case, being in covenant with God means that we acknowledge God as our Lord and agree to submit to his will as spelled out in the covenant. It's pretty straightforward and simple, really. So let me get back to the Texas Constitution. And, and as crazy as this may sound, I believe that this covenant with God that we've been talking about, making a covenant with God, is exactly what the people of Texas did in the preamble to the Texas Constitution, which is, as we noted, ordained and established for the purpose of humbly invoking the blessings of Almighty God. Because th this le leads us to the question, well, how is it that we re receive the blessings of God? 
And, and the Bible is very clear on this. And that's why I think I can come to the conclusion that I've come to, because the Bible tells us that God's blessings come to those and come to us as we obey him. Now, the Bible is full of blessings and curses and from God, right? And, and perhaps Deuteronomy 27 and 28 are the most famous of these, but they're, they're really all throughout the Bible. And in all the cases, though, Curses come from disobeying God, and blessings come from obeying Him. So, for instance, we'll just we could look at Deuteronomy twenty-eight two, which tells us, "All these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God." Very straightforward and simple. Then we move on to verse three, which tells us that no matter where we live and work, we will be blessed as we obey God. He said, it says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Now, some of us might say that, well, that's the Old Testament. We don't really need to pay attention to that. That's not the case. But we can also find the same concepts in the in the New Testament, particularly in one place, the, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter five in his Sermon on the Mount, which are known. Beatitudes are the blessings. And here's what Jesus tells us there. Blessed are the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the peacemakers, etc. Basically, he's saying, blessed are those who obey me. Because there are many uh, instructions throughout the, the Bible to be peacemakers and to be merciful and to be the thirst for righteousness and those types of things. So, I think the meaning of this is very straightforward. If we want Texas and its people to be blessed, we must obey God. And to obey God means that we must obey his laws. So this means that not just do we have to obey his laws directly, but also that the laws of Texas, since we are in covenant with God, the laws of Texas its regulations, its policies, and that's of the state and the cities and the schools and counties and everything else as well. All our laws must conform to God's laws. Well, I'm sure it won't surprise my listeners that if when I tell you that it's just simply not the case that our laws in the state of Texas or in the United States conform to God's laws. They just don't. Now, some of them do, but I, I would suggest that probably the majority of our Texas laws and regulations and policies do not conform to God's word given to us in the Bible. You know, we could think of lots of exceptions, uh, or I'm sorry, lots of examples, you know, uh, cities sponsoring gay pride celebrations, uh, socialism in the Texas budget, or even something as technical as taking private property through eminent domain. I think all of those are examples of just how far we have to go before obeying Texas laws means we are obeying God and thus receiving his blessings. So how do we move forward in this? Well, you know, one, one way we can go through and change these laws and make them obey God. And, you know, that's what I've essentially been trying to do for many years now, and a lot of people 
I know as well are trying to do that, is trying to conform the laws of the state of Texas and the United States for that matter, but focus here mostly on Texas, conform them to the laws of God. But that's a long process, and it's going to take a long, long time to do that, well after I'm done. So what I, I would suggest here for a starting point would be rather than going through all those laws and making an effort to change them, or going through all those laws right now, at least, that then I'll, I'm just going to provide one suggestion for us, and that's adding five words to the Texas Constitution. So after the Constitution's preamble, which we've already talked about, comes the uh, Texas version of the Bill of Rights. And the very first section in the Bill of Rights deals with Texas's freedom and sovereignty as a state. Here's what it says. Section 1, Freedom and Sovereignty of State. Texas is a free and independent state, subject only to the Constitution of the United States and the maintenance of our free institutions and the perpetuity of the Union depend on the preservation of the right of local self-government unimpaired to all the states. That's a pretty good thing, but if you've been following along, there's one thing really missing there. Texas, the laws of Texas are not only subject to the Constitution of the United States, but they're subject, Texas is subject to God. Our laws are subject to God. Our laws are subject to his laws. And so my proposed amendment to the Texas Constitution would change the first part of this to read, Texas is a free and independent state subject only to the laws of God and the Constitution of the United States. So this would make explicit what is only inferred in the Texas Constitution today and basically completely absent from the, the words in the U.S. Constitution, that we, individually as Texans and collectively as a state, want to know God's blessings through our obedience to Him and His Word. That we acknowledge that all of our laws, our leaders, and we as a people are under His authority. And that Jesus Christ, not Caesar, is our Lord. Uh, now, of course, th this will not be easy. Our society would not change overnight just by making this proclamation in the Texas Constitution. We'll also need a reformation in, in our church and society. The gospel and the whole counsel of God's word would need to be preached from every pul pulpit. God would have to work in the hearts of unbelievers and believers alike to move us all towards greater obedience to him. And ultimately, we have to acknowledge our failure to obey God and, and trust that we will be blessed through the obedience of Jesus Christ as we call on him as our Lord and Savior. Yet, I am convinced that the act of the Texas legislature proposing this and the act of the people of Texas in ratifying this would bring blessings to Texas and Texans. For God tells us, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So fellow Texans, and those of you in other states for that matter, what are we waiting for? Let's join together and ask God to bestow his blessings upon us. Well, thank you for joining me on this week's episode of the Liberty Cafe. And thank you once again also to Texas Scorecard for being our sponsor. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. 
This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com.